You're listening to Superpower Curiosity with Dr. Richard Gillette. And I'm Molly Ruth, producer for the podcast. This first season of Superpower Curiosity is all about divisions and how we can go beyond them. This is also the topic of Richard's book, It's a Frickin' Mess, How to Thrive in Divisive Times. For this episode, The Amazing Richness of Personal Choice, Richard reads an excerpt from It's a Frickin' Mess. Here's Richard. There are many things over which we have absolutely no choice. We can vote, but we cannot control who will be elected. We can give our opinion, but we cannot make someone listen, and we certainly cannot make them agree with us. If the change we want involves anyone else at all, we have no definitive control over whether that change will ever happen, since other people also have choices. And yet, what we do have control over determines our happiness. We have power over what we think, what we feel, what we say, and what we do. When we align these four arenas of our power with our full-hearted intention, we have amazing possibilities for both happiness and effectiveness. In this book, I have mentioned two opposite trends that relate to happiness. On the one hand, divisiveness destroys contentment and sabotages happiness because, by nature, it fosters the self-protective fight-flight emotions of fear and anger, with their many variant expressions like resentment, irritation, indignation, dislike, contempt, frustration, exasperation, outrage, unease, worry, mistrust, alarm, foreboding, dread. When we make heartfelt connections with others, on the other hand, even if only in our imagination, we experience a very different set of feelings related to human commonality, empathy, compassion, calmness, warmth, contentment, curiosity, wonder, inspiration, gratitude, care, love, humility, kindness, respect. These are pleasurable feelings. They are feelings that inspire greater effectiveness in our relationship with others. If we have the intention that whatever goes on in this world of ours we're going to live more in connection with others than in divisiveness, then there are a number of choices in thoughts, feelings, words, and actions that we can make to this end. Following is a list of some of these choices and how they relate to previous chapters. Choosing our informational inputs. Chapter 5 was on the choice to protect yourself from the divisive influences of the media by reducing your involvement with partisan, anger-stoking printed and digital content. Of course, our informational choices are much broader than this. Every day we choose what we feed our minds. We choose what we read, what we watch on our phones and TV, what we hear on the radio and what we search for on the internet. 
We can look at books, articles, and programs that stoke the embers of judgmental energy. Or we can choose items that are more compassionate in nature. We can read that which uplifts, or that which brings us down, or that which deadens us with mediocrity. We can choose only those books, articles, and programs that support our already formed points of view. On the internet and social media, we can find something from almost any point of view, so it's easy to select only those opinions that validate our own position. In addition, the internet almost instantly reflects back to us our beliefs through algorithms controlled by businesses that make their money from enhancing fear and outrage. These algorithms offer us corroborations of the choices we've made before, encouraging us to sink further into any rut we've already begun to dig. But still, we have a choice. With a little more effort, we can deliberately search for articles that give an opposite opinion and come to our own conclusions. If we do look at the other side of an issue, we have another choice of whether to use the alternative view as yet more fuel for our position. Whoa, look how stupid they are. Or whether to consider another view with a more open mind. Let me try to understand this from their point of view. What are they concerned about? What are their wishes or needs? Choosing whom we spend our time with. In many situations, we get to determine whom we spend our time with. We can choose to spend more time with people who feel good to be around. Or we can choose to spend time with people who seem to pull us down, or who demand allegiance to a polarized point of view. We can choose to be with more divisive people who roil the atmosphere with subtle whips of enmity. Or we can choose to be with more inclusive people who radiate a sense of warmth. Then again, we can choose to spend time with those who appear to make things better by agreeing with our limitations and judgments. Or we can spend time with those who challenge us uncomfortably but beneficially. We have so many options. Choosing to focus on what we have in common rather than on differences. You may have noticed that this is a theme throughout the book. Whomever we are with, and sometimes we cannot choose whom we're with, we can decide to focus on what we have in common with this person, that which unites us, or we can choose to focus on differences, that which may divide us. This choice is an essential ingredient for our own happiness and effectiveness. When we otherize, we focus on differences. And when we are focused on differences, we often otherize. This is a recipe not just for separation and alienation, but also for fear and anger, which are usually so unpleasant to experience. When, on the other hand, we experience the humanity we have in common, actual differences are much less likely to create division. Instead, they can be enjoyed with wonder and a delight in diversity. Choosing to focus on the other's abilities rather than liabilities. Similarly, we can focus on what's wrong with the person we're with, or on their talents and strengths, as I mentioned briefly last chapter. In moments when we find ourselves rehearsing our judgments about a person, 
we can deliberately change our focus onto his or her good qualities. This really does work. One moment we can feel the unpleasant kind of tension from the covert anger of judgment, and the next moment, by shift of focus, we can feel relaxed and kindly. The person we are thinking of has not changed an iota, so far as we know. We have just made a decision to change our focus. Choosing curiosity and the big picture. You can also choose to focus on the bigger picture, chapter 11, rather than being flung around on the vicissitudes of each day's crises. In a 2019 NPR interview, the author Salman Rushdie was asked why, given the current political climate, he was still an optimist. He replied, history does not go on tram lines. He explained that it's not inevitable that things will go from bad to worse, and that, in his experience over decades, political situations can change very quickly and unpredictably. To see the bigger picture, curiosity is an asset. If we assume we know who is to blame, we can easily close ourselves down in a prison of judgment, in which bars of prejudice constrain our joy and rays of anger bounce from wall to wall, incinerating our kindness. Alternatively, we can choose to hone our own natural curiosity, chapter 10, about the amazingly complex reasons why something has happened. When there's no easy enemy to blame, equanimity, kindness, and peacefulness have more space through which to rise to the surface of our experience. Choosing the words we speak. Even if we cannot, for the time being, prevent angry or fearful otherizing thoughts from arising in our mind, we can always make the choice not to voice them. Just because we think something doesn't mean we have to say it. We have absolute power over this choice. We can keep our mouths closed, or we can open them. A closed mouth gathers no foot. Equally, we have the choice of whether to speak words of kindness that connect people, gracious words that recognize others as equals in human spirit. Closing our mouths, while often useful and occasionally life-saving, is, I admit, not necessarily sufficient. We can clench our jaws and stare with heavy vibes of otherizing anger without saying a word, just as we can say sweet words edged with glinting razors of sarcasm. Nevertheless, choosing our words or silence, even if we have not yet succeeded in choosing our emotions, can be a great start. By not speaking a divisive word, even if we are feeling angry, we may be spreading less divisiveness than we otherwise would. The courage to make these choices. It may not always be easy to make the choices I've mentioned, for there may be strong, though perhaps subtle, social pressure to conform to accepted ways of speaking and acting. These expectations come from family, friends, colleagues, co-workers, neighbours, political party members, anyone who knows you in a certain way and expects you to behave in your usual manner. 
Deliberately choosing your sources of information. Choosing whom you spend time with. Choosing commonality over otherizing. Choosing abilities over liabilities. Choosing curiosity over blame. And choosing your words and actions in alignment with your values. All of this may take a certain amount of courage. I'm defining courage as the willingness to take a step that you might fear. Breaking with a norm incurs the possibility of social reactions that most of us fear. Reactions like anger and rejection. And the more we are tied down by social expectations, the more courage it takes. Sometimes we are in situations where we cannot choose whom we spend time with or what actions we take without incurring complete rejection by those who are dearest to us. Communities can be intense in their pressure for conformity. But even if we feel that we had better not make a certain choice, at least not for the time being, we can always choose our thoughts and our feelings. Thanks for listening to Superpower Curiosity with Dr. Richard Gillette. Episode 21 is scheduled to come out in two weeks, so subscribe now to hear Richard's next Curiosity Room conversation. It's with Professor Marjorie Wollacott, author of the multiple award-winning book, Infinite Awareness. Marjorie has been a neuroscience professor for more than three decades, and she has been a meditator for almost four decades. In this fascinating conversation, Richard and Marjorie explore the powerful effects of meditation, how meditation affects our minds, bodies, feelings, and spirit, and even how it changes the structure of our brains. Richard's inbox is always open. Email superpowercuriosity at gmail.com with all your questions and comments. And a big thanks to everyone who has taken a minute to review us on Apple Podcasts. Legreen116 says, A voice of reason. Insightful and engaging. I can't get enough of this podcast. Aw, thank you. And till next time, stay curious. Stay curious.